0: Season marks the 25th anniversary of one of the NBA's most legendary teams, the 1983 Philadelphia 76ers. So, this week we head back into the vault to bring you some of the you classic that clips from the historic sixer run. They dominated the NBA on the way to that you know, championship. Because we had the athlete, season begin. We in the news. Philly still is no that go down.
1: It's on they us. Were good to you know you, the know, you time, got it. But all to come up short. You no,
2: know, Doc looks like a saving life. You got people out here doing charity work, helping people. But never heard them about them. Because you know why? They are the just small people in real life. It's just like basketball. Basketball, you know, you got five, ten guys. They never... Going to be the player that the superstar. Now, if I'm on the team, you got three guys. I'm a superstar. The rest of the guy, what are, what are these guys? You know? To me, they the player that made me what I am. Because without them... Miss Malone would not be here. And I want to thank the committee for bowing me in as the hall of Famer. you know, just like a little bitty baby. You know, 19 years in the NBA, I'm laying on my back drinking milk. See, one thing about a baby, laying on your back drinking milk in the league. Now, all of a sudden, I retired, 1995. I started crawling. Okay? now I crawl. Now, next thing a baby do is stand up. So, now I'm standing up. So, what I'm going to do, the next thing a baby do, is take that walk. Take that first step. So, I'm going to thank y'all for letting me be involved in this Hall of Fame. I'm going to take that first walk into the Hall of
3: Fame. Thank you. Let's do it.
1: Welcome to The Athletic NBA Show. Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network.
0: The bad, the truth. So, as uh, we head into Christmas weekend, I want to answer your questions about the rising number of COVID cases, COVID-19 cases. And I want to start by acknowledging how tired, worried, and frustrated I know you are. I know how you're feeling. For many of you, this will be the first or even the second Christmas. We look across the table, being in all oh, right, it's another edition of Hoops and Jason on the Athletic Why? NBA Show. David, Altz, I am in Philly today because uh, the football team is playing a game against the Eagles. I oh, they in D. still D. do that? D. The D. Eagles still play? They it's still do that. They still have games, yes. Even with, I think, I think the last count was 97 guys on the COVID list. It's <laughs> crazy, but they're going to do it anyway with people that, have, that none of you have ever heard of. It's okay. They haven't heard of them either. Marcus Thompson in the Bay. What is up, sir?
3: Yeah, it is the same weather, by the way. <laughs> Out here, it's freezing. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're hanging, though. I'm uh finishing up some Christmas shopping today, and I'm chilling.
0: Oh, you know what would be a great Christmas gift for anybody who's looking for that last minute Christmas gift? This book, Dynasties, I've heard, this is
3: Incredible. a great stocking stuff. Imagine being able to go through the history of the NBA. Yeah. Oh man, there's no better history lesson than that. It's, it's, and it's surprising. beautiful.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it fits in most stockings of, of larger you know,
3: people. Good <laughs> price too. Thirty bucks, man, it's not too cheap so you don't look shady, but also mm-hmm. not too expensive. You exactly. can afford it like
0: it's a great it's good. It's like somebody went, hey, this is a thoughtful gift and it's not a cheap Absolutely. one. What Marcus? We, we want to talk. We got to. We got to talk about real stuff now because the whole world is all all Omicron all the time. It might be Omicron. I got a real we'll talk. You <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So the whole world is 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 just no nothing's nothing is on right now because of the latest variants of COVID, including well the NBA is going on, but it's it's been affected to be sure. And we are very fortunate today to have Dr. John DeFiori on with us to kind of walk us through a few things. I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to have him talk about every issue that's going on in the league, but just kind of like the broad strokes to be sure. He is the director of sports medicine for the NBA for the last, it probably feels like 20 years, doctor, but for the last year and a half has been on the front lines, trying to get the NBA uh, up to speed with all of the various, um, issues that are going on with covid and then with delta and now with omicron i think it's omicron um so doctor thank you for joining us and you've been doing this since before the bubble so we appreciate you
3: thanks for enduring my shameless book plug i appreciate it
1: but <laughs> 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 well, now that i know about it you know i still have a few gifts to buy so there you <laughs> go. <laughs> what you know about ray meyer
3: mad scientist of basketball who saw this clumsy seven footer and taught him footwork and agility and touch around the basket and how to stand tall on the court developing this george fella into a basketball pioneer
2: what you know what you
3: know about jumping jim pollard from oakland who was touching up top of backboards in the 40s what you know about what you know about the clutchness of sam jones the rebellious creativity of red auerbach how Bill Russell organized a camp in Mississippi to help race relations after Medgar Evers was murdered what you know about what you know about the origins of the Showtime Lakers being a nightclub in Santa Monica called The Horn, or how Paul Westhead almost killed the dynasty before it got started what you know about what you know about Chuck Daly about number Eight Kobe about the Silicon Valley influence on the NBA? In my new book, Dynasties, The Ten Goat Teams That Changed the NBA Forever, we take a look at the NBA's grand history through the lens of its dominant teams and dominant players. How not only each dynasty was built on the previous one, but how these legendary basketball teams even impacted society almost as much as the game. With popping illustrations (laughs) from Yu Ming Kwan, Dynasties is a gorgeous addition to your bookshelf or your coffee table it is the perfect collector's item both for nba fans who want to journey through history and casual fans who want to learn more about this league they can't get enough of hey. get your copy of dynasties today at amazon barnes and nobles target walmart or wherever you buy books what you know about dynasties the 10 gold teams that change the nba forever wherever you buy books
0: Doctor, uh, I don't even know where to begin with this. I guess, well, let's begin with with where we are, where our feet are now, right now, in terms of. In is first of all, is it Omicron or Omicron?
1: I think it's Omicron.
0: Omicron. Okay. Yeah,
1: back to reciting my Greek alphabet. I. I know, right? I'm going with that. <laughs> all
0: right, so Omicron is here. It's 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 cutting through the states like a scythe right now. It's it's been obviously in other places around the world. Um walk us the, the main thing that i think people want to know obviously is what is the lethality rate of of this as far as we know now i know the initial discussions out of south africa were it's more contagious but it seems like it's less lethal than delta is that still the case
1: well you know i don't think we know for sure i think we have been reassured by what's happened in south africa but it's a different population there in terms of You know what they have seen you know i think initially for sure they saw infections occurring in a younger population so you would expect there to be less hospitalizations and death uh in that age group um i think it remains to be seen in the u.s um clearly it's uh more transmissible more infectious we're definitely seeing that uh, across the country um and uh, that's partly what we're battling uh in the nba Um, as well as the other leagues. So I think that's been the early challenge. Uh, I think as we start to see it play out more in the general population, we'll start to know, you know, again, how it's going to impact the hospital systems uh, and in terms of um, hospitalizations and deaths. I think one thing to keep in mind is, even if Omicron proves to be less sort of severe on a per case basis or a per person basis, if it infects large numbers of people, we'll have lots of hospitalizations and deaths simply because there are more people being affected by it. So right. um, that's something that we have to keep in mind as from a public health standpoint.
3: I, I'm curious about um, just, you know, a, a lot of this stuff feels like it has to do with messaging and far more, you know, politics than, than maybe we thought or even like. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious from from the medical perspective. Uh, is 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 Omicron proven like to to make the vaccines ineffective? Is this like a a, a shift, so to speak? And uh, we thought it would be more effective, and then this new variant comes, and it's like, uh oh. Or was this something that probably was predictable all along that the vaccines would you know hold up for a little bit, but maybe not against whatever mutations?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think a couple things. Just to take a step back, I mean, I, I still. Last year at this time, or I guess it was January, we were all like amazed that we had these wonderful vaccines so quickly. Um, And I think I'm still amazed at how effective they still are. Um, Clearly, if you've been vaccinated, you're much less likely to have uh, a a severe case of of COVID-19, whether it's Omicron or Delta or any of the above. So being vaccinated and being boosted clearly is an advantage. We are seeing, though, that even if you've been vaccinated and boosted, you can still get uh, Delta or Omicron. Um, We we knew from the get-go that the vaccines are not 100% effective in preventing an infection, but they still remain highly effective in preventing severe disease. We do understand, I think, based upon the limited data that we have right now, that if you are boosted, you're more likely to be protected from Omicron than if you're not boosted. So getting boosted is important, um, but getting vaccinated, if, if you haven't been, is still very important as well.
0: I, I want to talk about as specifically as we can, and obviously there we, we can't talk about everything that's going on in the NBA with regard to Omicron, but just generally, are the fact that, well, do you treat omicron you treat COVID 19 i should say in a different category than other um kind of contagious okay you know often lethal versions of the flu that we've seen over the years or versions of diseases that we've seen over the use over the years and what i mean by that is it seems like this if you if you get the vaccination if it's if you get the the uh Pfizer or the Moderna, along with a booster, you seem to be, you're you're protected as much as you can be, right? Um, Do we think that going forward, it's just going to be more boosters, another booster, another booster, another booster, or do we think we may have to come up with different types of vaccines as this disease continues to mutate?
1: Yeah, I think those are really great questions. Um, You know, I think the public health and the scientific community are actively, you know, working on, you know, those issues as we speak. And I think you know, there probably will be new vaccines developed as Omicron seems to be becoming the dominant form of the virus right now, and how long it will be uh, remains to be seen. But clearly, um, vaccines can be modified to address Omicron, and that might occur down the road. It just takes time for that to happen. Um, But I think, you know, boosting right now is our, as you mentioned, is the best way to become protected if you have already been vaccinated and if you haven't been vaccinated, being getting vaccinated will help. Um, but as we move forward, I think. When the smoke clears, uh, we may see that Omicron remains as, you know, a form of the virus that we have to deal with and how that is best you know, what's the best strategy will depend upon what we see probably in the next several weeks. You know, we'll learn a lot. Um, I think we know from previous experience with Delta and the initial forms of COVID-19, we can learn a lot in strategy in terms of prevention um, and, you know, how we can handle and manage it moving forward. So these next few weeks will really be critical um, to learn, you know, what we can expect in the next several months and how best to, you know, manage the risk. And, you know, so far, like we said, you know, we're anxious to see what our U.S. data will show us in terms of hospitalizations and and um, deaths. I think that will play a large role in leading us to you know better strategies to manage it uh, in the coming in the first part of of twenty twenty
3: two. I guess I have a, a twofold question. Um, the, the NFL stance is to not uh, test vaccinated asymptomatic players. Under this, um, I guess the reason it is whatever, maybe they have data that those players aren't as contagious. Uh, And on the other hand, you have, you know, NHL, like, yo, we're done. (laughs) We're shutting it down.
0: Uh, (laughs) We're just shutting it down for a while. Is there (laughs) any
3: science to this idea that if you're vaccinated and not symptomatic, you're not as contagious. So you might as well just keep playing. uh, Or if that's not the case, Is there a need for other measures, maybe to reenact some of the more stringent social distancing measures and and mask mandates, et cetera?
1: I should point out, you know, that each of the leagues is coming from different starting points and perspectives. Right. I mean, you know, uh, the NHL was prior to Omicron was testing every third day. The NFL was testing everybody, regardless of vaccination status, once a week. Um, the NBA has been testing symptomatic uh, uh, vaccinated people only and testing non-vaccinated individuals daily so that we have a different starting point. Um, So, so I think, you know, your question though, I think is whether, you know, we should be sort of going back to what we did say in 2020 and 2021. And, and, you know, I think we do know that masking is really important and, to the extent that we can emphasize masking, that's going to help a lot. Um, it's easy sort of to let your guard down when things seem to be going well. And we know that those public health measures of masking and distancing and hand hygiene are effective. And so we've been trying to emphasize that, you know, to teams, to players, to coaches, to all the staff. Like, Don't forget about masking. This, this is important, and it may be as important now. As it ever has been, you know, Um, you know, with that said, you know, we're having lots of conversations with our infectious disease experts. We're looking for internal scientific data as well as that we gather from the scientific community uh, in general to inform our approach. Um, We don't have any data that would make us think that if you're asymptomatic uh, and vaccinated and infected that you can't transmit it. We still need to be concerned about that. Um, So, I think that that needs to be incorporated in any approach. How you do surveillance, uh, though, or how you manage Omicron is a slightly different question. You know, ideally, you don't want anyone who's infected, um, you know, sort of in your midst because that is a concern um, that they could be transmitting. And so, the approach to that, you know, whether you do surveillance testing or whether you do symptom-based testing. And then extend that, that contact tracing and testing to those who are close contacts. Those are different strategies that we work with, with our uh, epidemiologists and our infectious disease experts. Each league has a little different starting point. So I think what you're seeing is a migration of those approaches to try to address Omicron.
0: Doctor, you had a, a, a very large data set in the bubble um, you had lots of players in a closed environment, but in some ways perfect for for scientific uh, research, I would think um, and you could I wonder what you learned from Orlando and what learned from that in terms of transmission specifically like I, I know there there was a, you you were a co-author of a paper right that that talked about um, the fact that players who were people who had recovered but we're still testing positive. We're not transmitting it to other people who are vulnerable to transmission. And I wonder if you, if you take that, that sentence and can apply it now, or is it a completely different thing because it was a different variant? It was a different disease and there was different levels of uh, inoculation and and immunization then.
1: Yeah. So again, another really important question. And, you know, I think that, you know, we continue to observe and believe that, you know, if you are a recently recovered individual, in other words, someone who's been infected with COVID nineteen, and then you've been cleared to discontinue isolation, we know that if you are to continue, if you were to continue to test that person, you may continue to um, detect virus, and we call that viral shedding. So it's someone who's recovered, but they can continue to have Detectable virus in them, you know. We we've seen that in the past, and and you can continue to see that now. But we don't have any reason to believe that, as we know from our prior paper that we published, and we don't have any reason to believe that they're likely to infect anyone if they're recently recovered. You know, um, so in the current environment, you know, we continue to to you know maintain that that approach. Um, What's happening now, though, of course, is we have new infections and we're trying to, you know, minimize and protect and provide for health and safety of all the players and staff as best we can. So but that being said, I think to your question, if you're recently recovered, um, you know, in other words, you have been managed and you're felt to be safe to discontinue isolation at that point in time, your risk to someone else um, in the next you know, several months is is really low. Now, I will say that one of the sort of potential uh, issues that we may face, and we don't know the answer to this yet, is let's say you've been affected by Omicron. Well, we think that once you've cleared isolation, you're probably not likely to be infected by Omicron again for at least several months.
0: Right.
1: But if there's still Delta circulating, the Delta variant, it's possible that you could still be susceptible to the Delta variant. We don't know that. And vice versa, if you've gotten infected with Delta recently, could you then become infected with Omicron? We don't know. So these are new issues that we're trying to strategize about as well. So it's, it is an ongoing challenge. I think that's fair to say.
3: I know in in all your years, um, you you, are, you understand as much as any, like how you deliver the information is probably just as important as the information. Um, so to put on the hat of, you know, many people who are, who've are who gone through this process, um, it, it just it feels like we were told, take the vaccine, you won't get it. And then we were told, take the vaccine and you'll have less symptoms, right? And it, to me, it just underscores the importance of the messaging, and and how to get this across. And because it's affecting so many people, it's probably not enough just to rely on people's own scholarly ability, right? Like we gotta create a message (laughs) that reaches the masses. (laughs) What are the lessons you think we've learned as a a community about this and about what to say and how to say it and how to frame it? Because uh, right now people are like, yo, what are we doing? Because this was supposed to be something And it's not. And people who are unvaccinated are almost taking a victory lap because the vaccines aren't seem to be working. And a lot of that has to do with how it was presented initially.
1: You know, I think it's fair to say that. Vaccines and and boosting is is not a guarantee. It's not 100 percent, but it's really good. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you're not going to get COVID, but it does mean you're less likely to. And it also means that if you do, you're much more likely to have a milder course and not end up in the hospital. Um, And that's really important. I, I think that may be the message that hasn't been emphasized enough. And certainly we have seen individuals who have been vaccinated become infected. We have seen people who have been boosted become infected. But we've also seen those folks do very well in terms of symptom burden and how they recover. And to me, the message is if you've been vaccinated and you've unfortunately still been infected or you've been boosted and you've unfortunately still been infected, it's probably fair to say to those folks, you probably would have done a lot, you probably did a lot better because you were vaccinated or boosted than you would have otherwise. So we, we have to understand that we can't prevent every person from getting COVID-19. It's just not possible. The vaccines are really good, even if you compare it to other vaccines that we use all the time. They're very, very effective, but they're not 100%. They're not a guarantee. Um, But they are helpful in saying like, hey, look, if, if I've been boosted and vaccinated, I know that, hey, I can still get it. But if I do, I'm in much better shape than if I weren't. And for those who aren't vaccinated, You know, it's you know the message there is, hey, you know, you're very likely to get infected because you're not, and unfortunately, you're also more likely, many times more likely, to have a rough go of it uh, if you do. So the message again is still: vaccines are important, and they're they're clearly our best tool. In the absence of any good treatment, you know, we don't have a great medication right now to treat it. So the concern, and and so when you think about it we're looking at what's our best option our best option is the vaccine even though it's not perfect it's not perfect but it's our best option
0: doctor what are what are players asking you what are their like chief concerns and, and other people coaches and other people in the league what what is it that they want to know like right now yeah
1: i think i think they want to know you know what do i need to do to protect myself and my family how can i do my best you know players are just like the rest of the country you know, they have families, they have loved ones, they live with people. Some of, you know, some of them have kids in school and, you know, some of them live with, you know, elderly grandparents. So they have a lot of the same concerns that we all do. And, you know, their concern is how can I protect myself, protect my family? And they also have some concerns about, you know, how safe are the vaccines? So, you know, we try to do our best to provide as much information that we have. And we're fortunate, you know, the consultants and Experts that we work with are among the best in the world, and we're able to provide them really top-notch information that they can then arm themselves with to do uh, the best that they can. And we, as the league, try to really support all the all the folks. I mean, the players, the coaches, the referees, the NBA staff, the the facilities people across the country in the arenas you know, all those people, families involved, we offer them testing, we offer them our support and guidance to do the best that we can. And I think information, and I think as Marcus was saying, you know, providing that information and providing, I think, you know, accurate um, messaging is is really important to understand the limitations of what we know and what we don't know. But those, I think those are the concerns. I mean, they have lots of concerns like, you know, how can I keep myself safe?
3: Would there be... Any benefit in a pause, uh, two weeks, three weeks, whatever, uh, to prevent, you know, the the, the crossing and get everybody settled for a little bit? Would there be any value in something like that for the NBA? It's a really
1: good question. I mean, I think I should point out that the NHL, you know, had planned to have a break over the holidays, <coughs> which they usually do. And I think they chose to just extend it. Like a day, as a result, right? of what- Yeah, it was like. Yeah. yeah, something like that. So excuse me. <laughs> but, <clears throat> you know, I think we feel like, you know, our number one priority is our player health and safety. And if you go back to March of 2020, you know, our top priority then was can we keep our players in their work environment as safer or safer than they are in their communities? And I think as long as we feel that that's the case and we do now, then, then we're going to be hopefully be able to continue to operate, um, you know, the league. And, of course, operating the league is beyond my, my level. But my concern is can I, can I comfortably say our players and our coaches and our referees are safer or as safe working than they would be circulating in their communities? And I think we're still able to comfortably say that. That's what we've been able to ascertain through our testing results and our guidance and our expert consultants if we ever get to a point where we feel like we can't do that then then we'll stop no questions asked
0: doctor i i, I get more angry now than i've been getting my whole life <laughs> and among the major reasons why is something that i want to ask you about which is you went you spent an awful amount of years of your life becoming a doctor and becoming good at what you do <laughs> like you took you went to you went to pre-med you went to medical school you did a residency I'm sure you you publish you write you research you've spent your whole life in this thing <laughs> right and when somebody says yeah I'm just gonna get on the internet and, and do my own research that just I'm so frosted by that I don't know what to do I can't imagine what it's like to be in the medical community and have to deal with this on a daily basis, how do you deal with that? <laughs> you know, uh, David, it's 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 the
1: times that we live in. I mean, information um, is all over the place, and and the hard part is, I think, sorting through it and, and trying to analyze it and be critical about it, um, which affects people's lives. And you know, before the internet, it was well, my friend said this, or my I had right. a girl who had this. So, you know, part of our role as medical professionals is to to listen and communicate and provide the best advice that we can. And and sometimes that involves, you know, sorting through questions that people have that may be based on something that they read on the internet or, you know, uh, read in a, a magazine somewhere or heard from a friend. And so, you know, it, I would say, that it's, it's really part of our job to do that. It's sometimes more takes a little more time because you've got to sift through more information, but you know, it's really how we partner with our patients. Right. I mean, we're not being good partners if we're not listening and trying to help them understand the thought process. So, you know, with that in mind, um, you know, I, I I understand what you're saying, and c- certainly we deal with it all the time, every day. But it's not a whole. It's it it it's a similar type of thing, and it it's part of our job as physicians to communicate, listen, and do our best to provide, you know, thoughtful advice.
0: You're better man than I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's would so I would be calling people idiots book,
3: John, all the time. And it said, let me see. Uh, <laughs> I yeah.
1: saw it on hey, Facebook. So wait, I, I got to ask you, you got anything about my, my 76ers in that Dynasty book?
3: Uh, which ones? <laughs> which ones are yours?
1: Well, you got you got the Wilt era, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. We got the, uh they, they didn't win enough. What, well, they win one title? You know, <laughs> 67, you know who's my favorite? 67.
1: Then we lost 13 my games. My favorite team.
3: <laughs> like, I fell in love with this team doing the research. Was the uh Dr. J, Andrew Toney, Moses Malone. I feel right. like it's one I'm of the fo- most fo- 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 underrated Jones. French yes. teams in NBA history. Like nobody even knows about them because of Magic and Bird. And they were incredible. Nineteen
1: eighty three. They yes. went through the they went through the playoffs losing only one game. That's right. That's right. The famous four fo- fo- Marcus, you can check me on this, but I'm pretty sure that they dominated the fourth quarters of the of those playoffs. And I think when they beat the Lakers they I just want to say they swept the Lakers in 80 by the way they, they outscored them something like 120
0: to 70 in the fourth quarters combined Wow. Well, when you say something like that, means that it's exactly what it is, Mark. <laughs> <Exactly laughs> exactly, so. But but the seventy but the six, that was a
1: great team. Great team. The
0: 76 sixers um, are, are featured in our athletic series in the top seventy five players of all time. We, have, oh, we did a great. feature story on them. It's a great and, player. That, yeah, Billy Cunningham's on that team, and, and Welts and and Hal Greer, and it was a great team. But, but Doctor uh, Jack, is but,
3: I, I get that. Like we we understand the you know the 83 right Six, you know but in 81 they were right there right in 80 they were right there sure. they they literally lost the finals <laughs> with, <laughs> you know when magic <laughs> had his great you know game like they were there that
1: so many times that, as a as a as a philly fan that was hard to take but hey you gotta you know magic johnson stepped up like you know you gotta get that I mean He's yeah. a famer. I mean, he, 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 did it. And then of course there was a 77 team that lost to Portland too. That was yes. four to two.
0: Yes. Those were, those were great teams. Great series. That's, they had no, they had a great run. You're,
1: you're enamored with the 83.
0: Team.
3: <laughs> that era of the 76ers. It's, is criminally underrated. <laughs> like, yo, come on, we got to talk you know about it.
0: One of the big reasons why Marcus, cause, cause Andrew Tony couldn't, you know, physically hold up if he had held up he oh, would man. have been he would have been celebrated as one of the great players of all time because oh, yeah. he literally went into the garden and gave it to because the boston fair. strangler you know like uh, he was unbelievable but he just couldn't stay healthy you know yeah. um yeah. doctor what what would you tell fans who, who have tickets they want to go to games but they're worried they're concerned about what's going on now Um, How do what what how much can you mitigate as a fan if you're if you're going to a game, you know, you're going to mask up, you're going to socially distance. Are there any other things that you can do when you go to an arena to kind of just keep yourself as safe as you can?
1: Yeah, I I do think that, you know, the league is very deferential to public health authorities in the different communities, and you know we look at you know what is going on in those communities and and the public health authorities have jurisdiction over that. That being said, you know, we are concerned about the fans um, who attend the games. And I do think that fans who are attending need to be comfortable uh, with what's going on in their communities. They need to be aware. They should look at what the public health guidance is for for their communities and make their decisions accordingly. We clearly believe that masking is very important right now. Um, And being vaccinated and boosted is really important. And as I mentioned earlier, if you're not vaccinated, um, you're at much higher risk. So I think fans need to understand what their individual risk is, you know, whether they have underlying health conditions or whether they live with someone who's vulnerable. Um, Because right now is a time where, you know, things are changing and um, making a prudent decision is really important and being aware of what's going on today and tomorrow and the next day because it's changing rapidly is really important for fans and you know they should definitely consult with their physicians and their local public health authorities to make the best decision for them
3: are you finding that uh this is a shot in the dark here, just curious that people who aren't vaccinated knowing that risk and their, you know, refusal to get a vaccine are probably being more careful uh, and more taking more precautions than the people who are vaccinated and out here partying in these streets with no mask on.
1: (laughs) That's a really good question. I I, I don't know the answer to that. I I, I think that, you know, you could, you could postulate or um, that, you know, people who are vaccinated and boosted may feel a little bit more protected and may let their guard down a little bit. And that's why I mentioned the masking early on. We can't let our guard down whether you're vaccinated and boosted or certainly if you're not. Um, I, I, I can't answer the question, but I, I can tell you that, as I mentioned earlier, that masking may be more important now than it ever has been uh, because of Omicron and how transmissible it is, uh, even amongst the vaccinated and boosted population. Again, keeping in mind that we can't guarantee we can prevent infections whether you're vaccinated or not, but we can certainly mitigate the impact of those infections by being vaccinated and boosted and wearing a mask.
0: Well, doctor, I, I, I know again how busy you are and I truly appreciate the time. I really do. I mean, it's, we, we love talking about basketball. We talk about it all the time, but some things are are bigger than that. Right. (laughs) And this is one of those times (laughs) where this is bigger and we want, we want to talk about it through basketball, but you know, just to try to encourage people to get as much information as they can, as they try to make their way through this, especially during Christmas and new years where people get together with their families and with their friends. And, and that's, I don't want to say dangerous, but you have to be careful, I think is, is fair to say. So um, I know that, as you mentioned, players are very much in the same boat. So um, the information that you're providing them is, is very important. Um, and, you know, appreciate all of your time and efforts over the last couple of years in and doing all that you've done to help keep the league and the players and the coaches and the referees and the staff and everybody safe.
1: Well, thank you so much, David and Marcus. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed, you know, talking with you and I appreciate what you're offering as a public health, uh, you know, information here too. And I I would be remiss if I didn't mention what a tremendous collaboration it has been with the NBA and the Players Association. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have had ongoing discussions going way back to, you know, March of 2020. And I think a lot of our success Is because of the combined effort of the leadership of the Players Association, as well as the NBA and the players themselves. And, you know, uh, a lot of credit uh, to the Players Association and the players for um, doing such a fantastic job under, you know, ongoing difficult circumstances. And I just wanted to say that before we end it. But thank you again for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Absolutely. And please stay safe and have you know very Merry Christmas and New Year. Happy New Year to you and your family and uh, hope everybody stays and safe. By the
3: way, John, Thank you so for, much. for five straight years, the 76ers beat the Lakers or the Celtics in the playoffs. At least one
1: for five straight <laughs> years. Nobody knows this. That was the, the Billy C era.
0: Probably Thank one of the most underrated coaches ever. Billy, C. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And we when this is over, we're going to have you on to just talk Sixers <laughs> basketball. How about that?
1: Well, I'm hoping we'll talk Eagles football. They still got it. They're still in a
0: slight chance
1: of getting the playoffs. Oh, no. They Do they play football? I of- don't
3: think I've seen them since week 13. Do the Eagles play
0: football? <laughs> That's what I want to
3: know.
1: <laughs> As a long-suffering Eagles fan, I can completely relate to that. So,
0: yeah. If they you know they have a very good shot depending on the next two weeks they could get in they really could they have a better shot than Washington frankly depending yeah. on looking at the schedule so yeah,
1: I think I think you're right we'll see we'll see yeah, we will today's see. game today's game you know will be important Absolutely. what a world we're
3: Absolutely. in today's game on Tuesday Today's on is- Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we are <laughs>
0: is- all right yes, all right housekeeping we're not doing a show next week because we we need to. Drink and eat with our families. So no show next week. We will see all of the rest of y'all after the new year. And please leave that five star review on Spotify, on Apple, on iTunes, all the places you get this fine American podcast. Marcus, as we always say, if you if you don't have it in your heart to leave five stars on a review, what do you do?
3: Put a mask on. <laughs> you know,
0: I got the paint. That's all a
3: great right. panther right there, right? I thank God. I thank a lot of people.
2: To you know, from a small town, people forget about thirty thousand people. I never thought I would be here. You know, but I'm going to do. I'm not going to have a long speech. By like John Cheney <laughs> what? Mr. Cheney, he spoke so much, my words fade away. You know people don't know me you know people always said Moses you know you never talk to the press I had a reason I really did have a reason and the reason was why I never talked to the press because uh, I always like to have my concentration when I'm about to play you know the press would come in there and say, Well, Mr. Malone, how do you feel about tonight's game? I said, Well, you no, know, I really don't talk to the press. They said, For real? I said, I don't talk to the press. I said, You know, I got a job to do. I got to do it 110%. I said, You know, you got fans out of here paying big, big dollars to see me perform. And that's the way. I left it. But, you know, I would. today, the chairman of the trustee, the chairman of the trustee, he told, he told me and John and Mike, you know, it's hard to get in here. So I said to myself, gee, it's hard to get in here. So I'm thinking. So I said, well, tonight it's going to be an easy night for me because it's hard to get in here. So, I come here tonight, I see hundreds and hundreds of people. I see all the fans out right here. And, uh, but it's a, it's a great opportunity to be able to come here tonight. But as an athlete, we never realize, you know, it's take help. Moses and Malone didn't make it by himself. You know, people don't understand it. You know, you got the little guys. You know, you got the little guys never get credit for this. You always got the celebrity, Hall of Fame, NBA All-Star, but the guy that helped you get here needs some credit. You know, without the thousand players I played against, Moses would not be here today because uh, I need someone to give me the ball. You know, people don't understand, people you know, people that asked me for the last, for the last people, Moses, what are you gonna say?